You're listening to Infinite Banking Radio with your host, Patrick Donahoe. You know, there's solutions out there to every one of the financial problems that Americans are facing today, and those solutions are right underneath their nose. The Infinite Banking concept has helped hundreds of thousands of individuals manage their hard-earned money effectively using time-tested financial principles that cannot fail. The intent of this podcast is to awaken these time-tested principles and reinstate certainty into the financial makeup of Americans. Our society is saturated in debt. Our portfolios are made up of the same speculative investments and theories that have failed us time and time again. The banking and securities industries have ruled financial planning for decades, and the only true benefactors are them. The infinite banking concept has proven to be the ideal solution. Hey everybody, this is Patrick Donahoe. Thank you for downloading this month's podcast. We're glad you're here. Uh, to start, we uh, we definitely want to encourage you to to visit our visit our website, check out our resources that we have. Uh, we put a lot of effort into that and trying to educate everybody about uh, sound financial principles. So visit our website. It's www.paradigmlife.net. You can also check out our blog. We're on YouTube as well. And uh, we have a Facebook page. So we're kind of plugged into that whole social media thing and try to post relevant things pertaining to uh, the economy and our business and, and so forth. Uh, we have some exciting news. I've, I've announced it before, but uh, we're, we're uh, up and running with uh, with the two new websites that we've been announcing. We're just finalizing some content and uh, should have everything launched in, uh, in about two weeks. So basically, the websites are going to consist of a soup to nuts uh, educational process that's absolutely free to teach you about the infinite banking concept, teach you about insurance, and try to demystify a lot of the uh, a lot of the negative stigma and rhetoric that's out there. We also have a, a page for existing clients and also new clients, so you can go back and uh, review a lot of the things that you've gone through, and uh, and also have some resources pertaining to how to track policy loans. Uh, how to keep track of your policy values and and so forth. So we're really excited about that. So stay tuned over the next few weeks to a month uh, so we can get that launched. Uh, also for for those that are real estate investors, I want to plug the uh, the real estate guys radio show. You can visit their website, which is www.therealestateguysradio.com. They they have a cruise that they do once a year, and it's basically just a a group of high level real estate investors. Um, I was on it last year. It was an incredible experience. I'll be going this year as well. Uh, they have a lot of the rich dad advisors going this year, as well as Robert Kiyosaki himself. So for those that are that are really interested in in learning more and networking about real estate, this is an event not to miss. So definitely visit that website. We'll also have a link on the blog link to the the podcast. Uh, so today I have a, a special a special guest. Uh, I met him a, a few months ago through a, a client of mine, and uh, he's he's an incredible entrepreneur and does has done quite a bit in in this economy. And that's what I love to see. Obviously, you know, throughout an economy where people are having a hard time finding jobs, they're graduating from school with a mountain of debt and don't necessarily know uh, what to do because they put their resume out and there's no no bites. Uh, the baby boomer generation is prolonging their uh, their 
their work and prolonging their career just because of the hit they took a few years ago in the market and also because of the increased life expectancy and having that fear that they're not going to have enough money to uh, to sustain a, a, a 20 30 year retirement so it's a definitely it's a difficult uh, difficult time that, that we're in I think that the highest unemployment right now is for Thirty-year-olds, uh, which is which is very interesting, and so those that have actually gone out and have done well despite these negative negative factors is uh, uh, is a portrayal of of some individuals you know following good good principles. So, uh, Jonathan Day is with with me today, and so Jonathan, thanks for thanks for joining us. Why don't you give our our listeners uh, an idea of you know where you came from, uh, what you're doing right now, maybe some background information as well. You bet. Hey, and I'm so excited to be joining you today, Patrick, and uh, so excited about the things you're doing, uh, the infinite banking concepts and whatnot, uh, really exciting financial stuff. So appreciate you having me on. Uh, I grew up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, went to college, studied accounting. I see the world through green eye shades. <laughs> and uh, after, uh, after college, spent a couple of years doing strategy consulting, and then I joined a private equity fund, uh, Sorensen Capital Partners, spent five years there. And uh, it's a fund that would buy companies that were growing, companies that had between five and $25 million of profits. And uh, we'd buy them and then uh, try to help them grow and uh, then hopefully sell them for more than we'd bought them for. Oh, so cool. It was a it was a great run there. Really enjoyed it. Uh, great company made our investors uh, a lot of money. But uh, in 2008, the real estate market started melting down, and really? I saw. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> shocker! I don't know if you've heard about that, but uh, but uh, I it looked like a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm to uh, be investing in real estate. And so I left uh, a great job and a great opportunity and got into the real estate investing world. Uh, I've started a company called Turnkey Real Estate Partners that helps people take advantage of the real estate crisis. But that's a little bit of my background and, and kind of how I, how I got into the business. Got it. So what, I mean, what was, the, what was the turning point? I mean, you're obviously working in, I guess, investment banking and accounting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of what was the turning event where you're like hey look at look at this amazing opportunity and then subsequently what you you know what you did to get started yeah, you know, really the turning event is I started to see real estate markets in the country where somebody could make 10 to 15% on their money just from the rent I mean, even if the home never went up in value a penny ever mm-hmm. for the rest of time, mm-hmm. somebody could make 10 to 15% or on their money. Or went down in value. <laughs> yeah, even if it went down in value, you're still yeah. collecting the rent. You're yeah. still making 10 or 15% a year. Yep. And so I started seeing real estate markets in the country where you could make that kind of money. And, uh, you know, I've been in investing, making 10 to 15% every year cash flow consistently yep. in good markets and bad. It's hard to do. It is. And so I just thought, you know what, this is something I've got to... I've got to take advantage of. So, you know, I, I did what uh, what most people do in that situation. I, I went and found some people who are really smart about real estate mm-hmm. and really smart about investing, and we teamed up, started a company, and, and it's, you know, it's been quite a ride. Uh, yeah. Owning a business in this country right now is, is certainly an adventure with all the stuff you have to put up with, but, <laughs> but the real estate makes it worth it. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah, that's that's the thing is there's, when you look at individuals that would, me- that would potentially mentor you or individuals that have, that have done well, I mean, I think they recognize the value of relationships. And so some people feel kind of standoffish, which is, hey, I, that guy is really successful. And if I go up to him, he's just going to give me the cold shoulder. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, a lot of the people that have done really well have not done it by themselves. And so using those types of relationships are huge because once you try to develop it, they're very open to sharing hey, this is what I did. Here's some things that I can do. Is that kind of what your experience was? Absolutely. You know what? Uh, 
I think people really underestimate in business the importance of mm-hmm. those relationships. I mean, for every Warren Buffett, there's a Charlie Munger somewhere in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, for every, uh, and it's true, it doesn't matter whether you're looking at Hewlett Packard or Microsoft, or you go through a lot of the really successful companies. Mm-hmm. Google obviously has Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Mm-hmm. It is really hard to find a company in this country that got to be really successful with one guy doing it all. Yeah. There, are, there are a couple of examples, sure, but they're exceptions. Yeah. Almost all of them have partners that have made it work together. Because yeah, typically the cliche is the, the self-made man. But it's like, I mean, I can understand why they would say that. But nonetheless, how many people were pertinent to getting that individual from A to, a to Z? Absolutely. No, nobody is truly completely self-made in our society. Yeah. So so being in housing, I mean, obviously this is what you're doing doing full time. I mean, where do you where do you see the house? I mean, this is obviously a very open-ended question, but where do you see the housing market going? I mean, we're still, I mean, two years into a recession, maybe a double dip, and who knows? Maybe three years into a recession, who, who knows what's going to happen down down the road? But looking at housing right now, you know, what, what's your what's your opinion of it? Where do you think it's going to be going? Yeah, you know, and you talk about being two years into a recession. It's it's interesting in real estate. It's even worse than that. I mean, home sales peaked in two thousand five. Yeah. It was six years ago. Yeah, that's a good, point. good point. And it's and we're a long way from getting back to that peak. Yeah. Home prices peaked in 07, four years ago, and yeah. we are we are light years from getting back to that. So yeah. you know, it's been ugly for a long time in real estate now. And uh, in terms of the outlook, I, I think it's tough. Yeah. I mean, you know, every housing market's unique. What's going on in Detroit is very different than what's going on in Dallas. Yeah. But when you talk about the the national housing market overall, it's tough. There's still a, a massive number of foreclosures in the pipeline, mm-hmm. people that are more than 90 days behind on their mortgages mm-hmm. but have not yet actually been foreclosed on. Yeah. And then there's a massive pipeline of homes that have been foreclosed on that haven't been sold yet by the banks and by Fannie and Freddie. And so, you know, there's a lot of fear about the market. And I think that's part of what's paralyzing the real estate market right now is people worry about home prices continuing to decline yeah. and they worry about, you know, all this inventory hitting the market in the in the future. And, you know, frankly, some of those concerns are justified. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the things we really need to do in this country to fix the housing problem mm-hmm. is until you get all this inventory, you know, that's going to come onto the market the yeah. next couple of years, until you get it onto the market and get it cleared out, people are going to be gonna fearful. Have, you're not going to have a recovery. You're not going to have, yeah, you're going to have that fear. Yeah. We've tried to artificially prop up the housing market in <laughs> the country and uh-huh. keep prices from declining to where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And all that does is prolong the pain because yeah. you eventually get to the price that's supposed to, the stuff's supposed to be at. Yeah. You know, you look at what happened in the stock market, you know, the stocks went down something like 70% mm-hmm. in a year. But what was that was awful, right? But what was good about that is you'd hit a bottom, yeah, and then things could go up from there, and and people felt comfortable investing. We haven't had that in housing because we've estate. artificially held up the prices. Well, one of the other things too. I mean, this 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 is what I what I've seen when we talk to to families and business owners and individuals is that when you have a when you have a downturn, you have a change in psychology. No, people are no longer trying to uh, to to go up and hey, I've I've lived in this you know. 2,500 square foot home for three years, I'm going to now go up to 3,000 or you know 3,500 and then to 5,000 and then to 6,000. It's, it's kind of going going backwards. And you know, looking at people going forward and you know having a higher mortgage, having a bigger house and so forth, um, I think that goes quicker than than basically the the reverse. So the reverse is people are now downsizing. You have baby boomers who are living in Absolutely. you know they're, they're empty nesters, but they're yet they're still living in five thousand, six thousand square foot homes. Yep. Over the next few years, them dumping those homes and moving into the fifteen hundred square foot that has better proper you know uh, taxes and you know less maintenance and and, th- and things like that. So you see that kind of shift. And that time, that also is is a detriment to to home values going up as well. Oh, there's no there's no question about it. That's such a great point. And 
um, we certainly are going to see less demand for those 5,000 square foot homes just due to the demographics you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Plus, truthfully, that's the segment of the market that just now is really hitting the foreclosure wall, you yeah. know, where you're really getting a lot more foreclosures in that market. So, yeah, the if you're looking to invest those three to 5,000 square foot homes in relatively high-end suburbs, not where you want well, to be. Well, that's the other thing, too, is that if you think about, you know, the 30-some-odds, you know, they're it's all and every day on the news. It's hey, they're living with they're they're moving with their parents. Yes, they're they're, they're teaming up with their roommates, and they're not going to be in the market to to buy a house. I mean, here they are. They graduate from school. They have you know hundred grand worth of, of student loans, and they don't have a job. Yep. And then what makes you think they're going to just start go out and buy buy a house? So that's the other thing that's scary is you know that demographic might be out of the housing market as far as buying for a long time. Now they have to live somewhere, so that obviously props up rents. But nonetheless, it, it decreases the population that's actually going to be buying homes. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, in that 18 to 35 demographic, those are your first-time home buyers. Those people are all renting right now. <laughs> you know, which is great if you're a landlord. Oh yeah. Vacancy rates, particularly in apartments nationwide, are at near all-time lows, about yeah. five to six percent right now. And rents, rents nationally went up about eight percent this last year. People that's talk incredible. about how bad the housing market is, and it is. <laughs> yeah. But not if you're a landlord. Yeah. It's a great housing market if you're a uh, landlord because well, uh, all those people uh, are renting. Yeah. Well, at the same time. Time, you have a, a quality of renters that's traditionally better than what the renter population has been in the past because those are I can't buy a home I don't have the credit because I haven't been as responsible and I'm talking third person but I haven't been as responsible with my money therefore I have to rent people that are choosing to rent and these are people that are making you know a good a, maybe a decent income or are responsible and are clean so you have a, a better you know better population or of individuals that are actually renting the homes. Oh, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, a lot of the homes that uh, we buy at my company are rented for six to $900 a month. <laughs> and the reality is, is the person we're renting the home to could buy the home and their monthly payment would be a lot less than six to $900 <laughs> yeah. a month on the mortgage. But they can't get a loan right now. That's interesting. You know, and, and yeah, it's it's you do have a higher quality renter. They do have the money. They just don't have the credit score right now because, well, if you don't have perfect credit right now, it is hard to get a loan. Yeah. So, I mean, looking at because I'm sure you you deal with people in all all walks of life. I mean, for those that are that maybe have never invested in in real estate, what what are their typical qualms? What are their what are their typical fears when they like, hey, John, I want to get into doing this, but here, here are my concerns. What are typically those concerns? You know, there's two or three. One is a lot of people just don't even know where to start. Mm. They say, I'd like to own an investment property, but I don't even know how to go about doing that. Yeah. Do I hire a real estate agent? How do I find the right real estate agent? You know, yeah. what neighborhood do I invest in? Yeah. You know, so part of it is they don't even know where to start. Another key factor is they say, well, if I buy the thing, look, I don't want to be a landlord. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to be trying to collect rent. I certainly don't want to get calls at two in the morning about a leaky pipe. Yeah. You know, just don't want to deal with any of those issues. Yeah, those are probably the two biggest fears that, that we encounter. The third one that we encounter a lot right now is people are saying, well, can I even do it? I mean, yeah. can I get a mortgage on a property? Yeah. You know, what kind of credit do I have to have? Mm-hmm. Is it a nightmare dealing with the banks mm-hmm. to, to buy a, a foreclosed home that I want to invest in? And of course, the answer is, yeah, it is a nightmare to try to deal with the banks to buy those foreclosed homes. And it is a nightmare to get yeah. a mortgage. So, you know, some of those fears are legitimate. But, yeah. you know, those are the those are the big fears that we see. Do you see people being able to overcome that? I mean, do you see when they get in Absolutely. and they recognize, hey, I can, I can delegate my, the landlord issue to property manager, or I can buy buy homes in specific areas in, in cash, and I can do specific things. So 
I don't, you know, the, the found. I know that the foundation on the home that I'm making an offer on is not cracked, or the roof is about to implode, or, or whatever. I mean, do you see people being able to overcome those issues once they see some solutions? Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, our company, for example, has helped thousands of people buy properties over the last few years, mm-hmm. and all those things aren't that difficult to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for people who want to do it themselves, hey, there there are resources out there. It's not that hard to find real estate agents who are hungry for work mm-hmm. right now. You know, when people when people team up with a company like ours, we do it all for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we buy the foreclosed home, we fix it up, mm-hmm. we hire a property manager to manage it, the property manager puts a renter into it, and then we provide that property to an investor. And oh, so, so you do it after the fact, wow, okay. Yeah, so all the investor does is they get a home that's already fixed up, that's already rehabbed, that's already cash flowing, already has a tenant in there, already has a property manager managing cool. it. All they've gotta do is invest in the property and, and cash the checks each month. Cool. You know, it's, cool. A, it's, a, great, uh, it's a great setup. So yeah, the fears aren't that hard to overcome if a person's willing to do it. Interesting, cool. Um, so let's m- maybe shift gears a little bit. Uh, I mean, you you obviously have an accounting background. You're in you know you're you're in real estate right now, so you're able to see you know how the different you know financial factors make to a, a good return on investment in, in rental real estate. Um, so so knowing that, I mean, what, what's your what's your current opinion of of the economy? We, I, obviously, we've talked about housing where it's potentially going, but what about the economy in ge- in general? Obviously, if you're an accountant and you look at the books of the of the government, I mean, you have a mountain of liability and not not that many assets and not that much revenue. So looking at that, I mean, what what's kind of your opinion of, as far as where things are going? I know that's a, a very open-ended question. Too, yeah, I mean, we could spend three hours talking about, you know, the economy. Yeah. Look, I, the economy's tough. We A lot of the economic growth in the last 15 years in this country came from taking on more debt. Our government took on trillions of dollars of debt. Consumers mm-hmm. took on trillions of dollars of mortgage debt. Consumers also took on trillions of dollars of credit card debt. And to be honest with you, we've pretty well hit our limits in terms of the amount of debt we can take on. And now we're in a part of the economy where we're deleveraging and people are trying to pay down some debt. And, you know, you look over economic history, when people are trying to pay down debt, economies don't tend to grow very much. No. <laughs> you, I mean, it, it takes a while to to get the debt paid down to a point that people are willing to spend again. And so, you know, uh, people talk about a new normal in the economy of kind of very slow growth, not mm-hmm. necessarily contraction, mm-hmm. but of a very low, slow growth while we pay off debt. And mm-hmm. that's my personal opinion about where we're headed. And, you and know, that, I mean, that should be an indicator of not necessarily the whole idea, because people, you know, it, in 2004, 2005, you know, after the dot-com bust and when, when kind of the economy started to, to pick back up a little bit, people weren't necessarily spending their own money. They were spending their equity. They were they were spending credit card money. They were they were yep. living beyond their means. I mean, 2005, you know, the national the personal savings rate that's tracked by the the Federal Reserve was you know l- less than zero. I mean, yeah, it was it, negative. Yeah, and so y- you look you look at that. It was an artificial it was an artificial growth. Yep. And so basically, the correction. Is occurring and, and absolutely, and I hear you know the commentators on the media. They're like, we need to spend more. If you've been saving up for something, spend. Up. It's like, no, I mean, <laughs> no. don't spend money you don't have. I, and so it, it's, I think it's a, a correction, a correction of sorts. But here's here's something that that has really intrigued me. There's there's an article that came out uh, a few months ago by uh, by Gary North, mm-hmm. and I follow a blog. It's it's called LouRockwell.com. Lou Rockwell is the head of the the Mises Institute, uh, which is kind of an, a, a private economic think tank and they have a huge blog and they have lots of different educational resources and schools and things like that. Uh, but he's, he's, the, he's the head of it. He, he helped create it, or he actually created it. But, um, but he does a newsletter, which is really intriguing. And Gary North is you know, an economist and yep. he came out with something a few, uh, few months ago that was very intriguing and basically said that 
um, not that I'm touting Ron Paul, but he said, you know, Ron Paul um, is going to save the economy, not because he's going to become president. Because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he has a really good chance. He might, but um, actually, I'm going to vote for him. But, <laughs> but with Ron Paul, you know, he's he's exposed the culprits. He, he's exposed the because f- you know. Three years ago, I never got. Hey, what are your what's your opinion about a currency collapse? And it's like I I never got those questions ever, but I get those questions every every week now. Right. And you know, Ron Paul has exposed who the culprits are: the, the Federal Reserve and and printing money, and that money is not backed by by anything. You know, currency is not backed by anything. The dollar is not backed by anything. And and now people are very aware. And you know, you and I were talking about before we before we started about Peter Schiff and him testifying in front of Congress, and just the fact that he was in Congress. Mm-hmm telling them, hey, this is what's wrong, and you had congressmen agreeing with him, I mean, you start to see a, you're, start, you're starting to see a paradigm shift so that people that were ignorant to economic principles before in Congress and in political positions are now aware of what's going on. They know that they, they need to, to change. I mean, do you think that that's going to help the, the economy, of in, not like overnight, but you know, in the long run, do think that's going to help? Yeah, I, look, I don't think there's any question if you look over economic history that when governments, you know, create the right conditions for growth, growth happens. And when the government, when governments don't create the right conditions for growth, usually growth doesn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, a big part of our problem in this country the last 10 years is we have had a completely dysfunctional government. Yeah. And I, 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 I would laugh if it weren't so tragic, but I'll listen to a speech from, you know, the president saying we need to fix the tax code. It's a disaster. Then I'll listen to speeches by Republican congressmen saying we need to fix the tax code. It's a disaster. Then all of a sudden speeches by Democratic congressmen saying we need to fix the tax code. It's a disaster. Well, maybe I missed something in civics class, but last time I checked, if all the Democrats and all the Republicans in Congress and the president support something, don't they have the power to make it happen? I mean, who, you know, it seems to me you got the votes at that point, but it doesn't matter whether we're talking about the tax code Mm -hmm. or whether we're talking about the regulatory system Mm -hmm. in this country or whether we're talking about the immigration system in this country or whether we're talking about the level of debt and Mm -hmm. spending in this country. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what it is, Congress is just, and, and Washington in general has just refused to address it and really for 10 years now and I mean, you can go back to the presidential debates of 2000, and they're talking about all the same issues we're talking about now because we yep. haven't solved any of them. Yep. And this is a place where I, I don't agree with everything the Federal Reserve's done, but they're in a bit of a bad spot because they're the only game in town for trying to help the economy out. Washington yeah. is actively trying to damage the economy, yeah. and so they're left in a spot where it's, hey, it's either us fix it or nobody, and they've done some things that I don't agree with to try to fix it. But, yeah. you know, it'd be nice if they had some help now and again from, yeah. from Capitol Hill and from the White House. Well, that's, I mean, if you, there's a, if, and there's, I'll put this link on on the blog. But there is a uh, there, there's a theory. It's called the Austrian business cycle theory. And there was a uh, a Nobel Prize winner in uh, in uh, it was 19, 1970s. F. A. Heydrich, Friedrich Hayek, and he wrote The Road to Serfdom and some other books. But uh, he won the Nobel Prize because of this business cycle theory. And it basically shows that if there's a central bank and they artificially pump money into the economy, it's going to create a boom. But then the economy is always going to correct, and it's going to create a bust. And he did this in the, in the you know, in the, in the, I think it was in the 70s. Um, but he had looked at the previous years. Yep. And that was crazy because he saw those indicators in the previous years of a central bank create, and it wasn't just in the U.S., it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, it basically artificially inflated things because of because of credit, because the Federal Reserve can actually print print money, artificially inject money into the economy, it creates a boom, and then there's a subsequent bust. It's boom, bust, boom, bust, boom, bust, over and over and over and over. Yep. And so, you know, the Federal Reserve is in a, in, in a conundrum because, number one, they caused the problem, they're trying to fix it, 
But yet at the same time, you know, you need to let the economy kind of solve its own problems. And that's and that's the thing is when you try to manipulate human behavior, it never, it never, I mean, it never works. Well, I mean, when you have a situation where the economy is not functioning because government has created so many problems yeah. to impede its growth, yeah, yeah, you know, the Fed can try to print a bunch of money to solve that problem, mm-hmm. and it can temporarily solve it, sure, and create a temporary boom. <laughs> yeah. But all that does is paper over the fact exactly. that you have a long-term structural yeah. problem with your government that yeah. needs to be addressed. And we seem to struggle addressing yeah. it in this country. I think the fact remains, it's like, I think now because of the, the media, um, the media really can't get away with anything these days. I mean, politicians can't get, can't get away with anything these days. I mean, look at the, you know, the wiener guy in New York. I mean, oh, he, yeah. got, he got crucified. And then yep. he had, you know, because of all that publicity, they had a, a Republican voted in where they hadn't had a Republican in office in like 50 or 60 years That's or something all, like that. A hundred years. Yeah, it was, it's the... some crazy. And so the, the point is, you know, looking at what's going on, I think there's a paradigm shift in, in the media. And I don't think it's as significant as, as I would like, but nonetheless, it's it's happening. I think people be, are becoming aware of who's to blame, what's going on, and hopefully they hold, you know, their representatives accountable to to fix certain things. And that and that's kind of exciting to me because I think human beings, you know, when there's a problem, there's a problem that's that's there, we find a way to we find a way to you know fix and solve the problem. Right? We see an, like it's like cancer. I mean, people are just they're still trying to make improvements to cure cancer and medicine this. I mean, people realize the problem and they're taking strides to to solve it. And so with the economy, I think it's the same the same thing. And you know, I think human beings are are imperfect. Therefore, you can never have a perfect economy. Um, but at the same time, I think we're making strides to to hopefully you know get back to e- equilibrium. I think it's going to take a while, but but nonetheless, I'm I'm hopeful. Me, me too. I mean, short term, I think we're going to have low growth, like I mentioned. Yeah. But long term, I'm very optimistic. Uh, you know, Warren Buffett has said many times nobody ever made money by betting against America, yeah. and and I, he's still right. Uh, you know, do I think we're in for a couple of years of pretty slow growth? Yeah, yeah, I do. But at the end of the day, is there any other place I'd rather invest money? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, betting against America has has always been a losing bet. And I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, and it's you know, and it's hard because you look at you know, you just look at the situation we're in. You go back to you know the American Revolution, and you know they revolted against a tax in with England like one percent and two percent, right. and now we're like we're taxed on like tea alone. <laughs> Seriously, now we're taxed on lit- literally everything, and so. You know, I think that people are are uprising in, in a manner of speaking, um, but but hopefully hopefully things turn around, and I think I think they will. Yeah. Um, well, thank, thanks for being on. It was great. It was great to have you. I appreciate your your insight. We'll put all your your contact info and your and your uh, your company info on on the blog, so that if people want to kind of see what you're doing, I, I you know gone to your website and there's a lot of information on there as far as what you're doing, what type of real estate, where the properties are, and so forth. So I'll definitely put that on there so people can check it out. So I appreciate you doing that. You know, it's really interesting. This so once in a lifetime opportunity in the real estate market we're in. I mean, we we're seeing homes that you can buy for thirty to fifty thousand dollars that rent for six to nine hundred dollars a month. And yeah, there was a day forty years ago where those homes also were thirty to fifty thousand dollars. But, but not renting for that. Yeah, they rent for one hundred and fifty <laughs> bucks a month back then. You know, and it, it is it's unbelievable to me the kind of returns people can get in the real estate market right now. So it, it's really interesting time, and hopefully the economy and the country will will recover. Cool. Well, for those uh, for those of you who are listening for the first time, go go back and check out our previous podcast. We have several years. Uh, several years of, of archives, and we've interviewed every, pretty much every every type of industry under the sun. And and so we hope you do that. And definitely uh, send us an email if you want more information about our company or visit our website. We have uh, links on there to download articles and other resources. So the website's www.paradigmlife.net. Uh, this is Patrick Donahoe signing out. We'll talk to you next month. <laughs>